Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 13th, 2019. And as we can see, uh, just as I predicted, things are ramping up to Friday. Uh, The lull that we had yesterday, kind of like that belly of the week, uh, not so much a hump day, but an invert hump uh, we experienced. And this was all for what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, There is so much to talk about today uh, that I will like to address, though I will analyze to you what is going on in Iran Uh, And and as more information is coming in because it is developing from actual sources uh, that are uh, providing me this information uh, from early this morning, I will elaborate to you this hoax, a huge hoax, and then you'll have to ask yourself why. So uh, there are... are so many things that we need to talk about today. Uh, we need to talk about uh, Adam Schiff and his new subpoenas today. Um, Gina Haspel, uh, what the Democrats are doing, what's really going on with this New York City helicopter pilot. I mean, I talked about it on its curious target, but uh, it wasn't a target. Information that I'm getting seems to be a little bit um, off of what they're providing. Uh, I want to talk about Assange. I told you guys yesterday that yesterday was actually the day they were going to sign off for the extradition and I was right so tomorrow we have the hearing so tomorrow we're going to see after the United Kingdom signed off and approved the extradition order if indeed we will have Assange this weekend on U.S. soil um possibly in a way of commuting his British sentence in exchange of bringing him over or bringing him over to supposedly, and I'm air quoting here, stand trial. We'll talk about that. I want to talk about and introduce you a little bit to a topic that we're going to talk about next week a lot, and that's CrowdStrike. Uh, I mean, I've talked about CrowdStrike before on how they uh, were used to... um, state that the uh, DNC server was hacked by Russians. Uh, So we'll get into that. And uh, what else are we going to talk about? Brennan. Owen's getting uh, very, very nervous. Uh, They have been uh, feverishly trying to cover their their tracks. Uh, Gina Haspel is stuck. I will explain to you uh, where and how she operated and how she's pretty much in a box and has to either offer or not. So where do we start? I think I want to start with something fun first, and that's our president dishing it the way he should in a straightforward manner to the public when he was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. 
People are completely losing their minds uh, that he was 100% honest when talking about opposition research. Uh, and he was asked if foreign governments provide him information, you know, then what? So I wanted to start with that and play that clip quickly for you guys, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, specifically, if you remember, I had a whole show where I was talking about this whole Russia collusion thing, and I played that clip that was recorded where the Russians were pranking Adam Schiff. He never called the FBI, right? He was trying to get dirt on President Trump. Remember when they called him and they were like, yeah, we have information? No FBI was involved. He just got it. So opposition research is actually normal. This is how uh, you know people operate. They operate dirty. Uh, even in my state, there was a great candidate for a position, um, for a secretary of state position. And suddenly, you know, they came out with stuff that was buried in some corner because he was a little bit pervy over a decade ago. And that actually killed his bid, even though he was an exceptional candidate, because, you know, those in power, especially the guy that is secretary of state, he's been in there for 26 years. He's a dinosaur. He will not let go of his position unless he dies. Okay. This is what they do. They drag up dirt and then they formulate an you know, like a picture of who you supposedly are or how you are, what your past is. They paint this picture and they sell it. And usually when they're incumbents, uh, you know, they, they go hard at work and let's remember, uh, the Clintons were kind of incumbents. They were just being handed over from Obama. Right? So let's listen to this clip quickly. I absolutely loved it. Your son, Don Jr., is up before the Senate Intelligence Committee today. And again, he was not charged with anything. In retrospect, though, By the way, think- not only wasn't he charged, if you read it, with all of the horrible fake news, I mean, I was reading that my son was going to go to jail. This is a good young man, that he was going to go to jail. And then the report comes out, and they didn't even say, they, they hardly even talked about him. Should he have gone to the FBI when he got that email? Okay, let's put yourself in a position. You're a congressman. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I have information on your opponent. Do you call the FBI? I don't it's think, coming from I'll Russia, tell you what, you do. I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life. I don't, you don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office. You do whatever. Al you Gore have. got a stolen briefing book. He called the FBI. Well, that's different. A stolen briefing book. This isn't a stolen. This is somebody that said we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't the work. The FBI that way. director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong. Your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't, there's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. You want that kind of interference in our elections? It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI if I thought there was something wrong. But when somebody comes up with APA research, right, they come up with APA research. Oh, let's call the FBI. The FBI doesn't have enough agents to take care of it. But you go and talk honestly to congressmen. They all do it. They always have. And that's the way it is. It's called oppo research. A hundred percent on point. That is true honesty. It happens on all levels of government. Uh, The fact that people are losing their mind that he's, you know, kind of making them look really stupid, really, really stupid, Uh, just bringing it up. 
you know, oh, so if you got information on your person, you're going to not tell the FBI. Why would you? You would use that if you wanted to play dirty in campaign. I mean, right now we have 435 House seats up for grab in 2020. Let me tell you, those Keep America Great candidates, do you think that they're going to let them go? I tell you, I have portfolios and dossiers that I am compiling with publicly available information uh, that I will be handing out to candidates running against them. Uh, dang, nang, dick. I've got a huge one there. And his opponent, the minute he runs, I'm handing it over. And this is financials. This is breaking the law. This is enriching yourself from your position. These are things voters should know when they go to the ballot. How is that wrong? Do you not want to know how your former congressperson who's up on the ballot again has committed crimes, has enriched themselves from their position? Of course you do. And if that information for me that I've been collecting, you know, some of the stuff that I have on Blumenthal has come from Venezuela, (laughs) from Caracas itself. And, you know, his gold trade there, the stuff he does in Brazil. So let me tell you, because a fellow journalist or fellow investigative journalist out in another country offers me information, pictures, cooperation of him being there I'm not going to, I'm going to call the FBI. Are they insane? The only time you go to the FBI is when there's crimes. So like when I was creating a dossier for another Senator, I noticed that Senator had tons of shell companies, a shell company within a shell company within a shell company. Uh, Of course I went to the FBI with that. That is a crime, especially when it's being done on us soil, right? Especially when they are avoiding taxes, especially when they are getting privileges, That's when you go to the FBI when you get that kind of oppo research, right? Uh, You don't pay for it. You exchange information so that way you can advise your uh, electorals. You know, the people that are voting should have thorough knowledge. They should have, you know, your vote is informed consent, right? You consent that they will be representing you. How do you have informed consent when you have no idea what they've been doing? You don't. How do you have informed consent when you don't know the crimes they have done or what they have done against the people? You don't. And opposition research is key. It's key to understand your opponent. It's key to understand their weaknesses because remember, these people are fighting neck to neck for a position. That's the way it goes. So anyone sitting out there saying, oh my God, that's so, how how dare he say it? (laughs) I'm totally fine with that because I have been creating dossiers on a lot of them myself to hand out to opponents of those people because they should not be in office. They should be removed ASAP. And that is how it goes. If you get people angry enough while you're in office, they will do their homework. And it's not going to be a steel dossier. It's going to be printed materials from publicly available records from sources overseas that will have to be collaborated. Of course, right? You're going to, and then you put it out and let them deal with it. I mean, we saw from the DNC hack, a barrage of emails going back and forth on how they can get dirt on Cruz and on President Trump. Didn't they pay the Ukrainians? Didn't they pay for the steel dossier, which was manufactured? Okay. It wasn't even real. 
But that's okay. But President Trump having a meeting to listen to information is a problem. Please go home. Please put on your big boy pants and stop crying. That's the way it goes. So what do we have in the works here? We've got a lot going on in the intelligence community. Today, this is all ramping up. And we see it from last night's exertion by Owen, who is just so upset so upset because he's in so much trouble. You know, he tweeted out, this is just the latest example of what Vice President Biden meant when he said that Mr. Trump is an existential threat to our country. Unfit to be president is a gross understatement. President Trump is underserving, uh, undeserving, sorry, um, really? Uh, of any public office and all Americans should be outraged. I, I, I don't see why Brennan has his little people tweeting for him. Owen's got to get his stuff together because now that Gina Haspel has to comply, he's in a lot of trouble. Because, John, you and Gina were sipping and laughing and giggling in London in the winter of 2016, if you remember. You guys work together and Gina is not going to save your skin because she is blocked. You're done. You're toast. And she may have been your little minion for a while, but now the good guys are in control and that's how it works. For those of you that don't know, Gina Haspel had her office almost next to that of Robert Hennigan. Who is he? He is like the equivalent of a Brennan in the United Kingdom running their intelligence office. He actually was the one that resigned once President Trump became president. Obviously not to embarrass the United Kingdom because all this was coming through. What people don't seem to understand is that when the good guys get upset. They take everything they have when they have the opportunity to strike. And what most of these corrupt clowns don't understand is that we've already won the war and we're just fighting now. This is why we win already. They're fighting the war when we've already won it. We've already got the banners, the flags, the goods. They're done. And the actors are so widespread, like I said, this attempt to overthrow a duly elected president doesn't just sit in insane Democrats that want to sit in office and enrich themselves and take advantage of the people of the United States. It doesn't stop at Hillary Clinton selling our uranium to Russia so she can get $145 million. No, it doesn't stop there. It's global. And I've said this before. And, you know, people just need to listen to what other foreign leaders are saying. How many times has Macron come out in the past six months and claimed that the United States, Russia, and China are a threat? How many times has he said that President Trump has destroyed the global order? How many times has Merkel said that? Tons. They keep repeating it, and it's as if since they're repeating it, no one's listening. The mainstream media here in the United States blatantly on television tells you how they're going to redefine words. Socialism is great, but we can't use the word socialism because then it brings Orwellian feelings. Maybe we should use another word for it. This is what they're doing. They're trying to change the way you see things so you don't listen anymore. People tell you 
exactly what they're going to do. And we've been conditioned to not pay attention anymore. We have to remember Owen, you know, Brennan, he weaponized every single asset that our community had. He tried to pinpoint George Papadopoulos, who wasn't even a big deal as part of the Trump campaign, just to get his foot in the door. Why? Because he was up and coming. Why? Because he had that knowledge, you know, the communication. I mean, he could have targeted me. He could have targeted anyone like me that uh, runs in these circles, that has these, um, you know, contacts, you know, to activate them and gain footing, right? I mean, just a last note on this BS of this oppo research I just want to say, what, do they think it's better that President Trump just start filing FISA application warrants so he can just monitor every single Democratic candidate? Is that right? Because that's exactly what the left did. That is exactly what the Obama administration did. And you think that Brennan operates on his own? No. Obama's handler is the one that issues the orders. We have to remind ourselves of who that group is. As I've said, Bush 43 had his administration taken over by them. Who led the who led the pack guys? It was Comey and Mueller. And what did they do? Bush was defiant. He wasn't listening to them. He wasn't taking orders from the fourth branch of government because he was president, right? Well, they sure showed him. And so people need to understand that their complaint is evident. I mean, Comey said it himself during testimony. Strzok said it himself during testimony. All these clowns did. Well, he wouldn't take our direction. Schiff even told you, you know, they're there to guide us in our legislative, you know, choices. No, they're not. You have to listen to us, not them. Because we didn't elect them. They've been appointed. By who? God knows. You see where I'm going with it. Now, what we have coming up is Gina Haspel. Let's talk Gina Haspel. Gina Haspel worked under Brennan and she worked under other people in the past. Her specialty, APAC, okay? Asian Pacific, obviously a little bit of Russia, but she's known mostly for her Pacific duties and her Russian, um, I wouldn't say um, clandestine activities of her, but directing them, kind of like a project manager, right? She was then appointed uh, to head the EMEA. Um, well, not EMEA. I would say it would include APAC because the Central Intelligence Agency uh, actually uh, in England, uh, where the offices are, uh, spread out not just to Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, but they also hit Asia. Obviously, Far East is positioned somewhere else, and McCain was nice enough to offer us the Hilton Hanoi. Um, but her job spec was huge. She was in charge of many operations in many countries, both allied and non, uh, throughout the world. She had her finger in everything. I know a lot of people come out saying, you know, she was well known for her um, torture activities and how she executed questioning. I mean, every person that works in human, right, is trained to be able to extract information. Every single person has their strength. Uh, either they do it by fear, coercion, or um, are very good at just talking to people and convincing them um you know, uh, to cooperate. Gina Haspel was one of those very shrewd people. And, um, 
usually directed uh, the push of force because usually the people that she would be um, working with, like uh, Kim Jong-un's brother, right? She had really good ties. That was her asset. You know, she had other methods. This is how she was. And people within the intelligence community know that. Uh, You know, in Wall Street, there's a term, and excuse my French, it's called don't pitch the bitch. So brokers know that you don't call a woman, um, you know, who has an account with you and pitch to her because it's very difficult uh, to get through because women are a lot more shrewd when it comes to... um, I would say making decisions of a high caliber. Okay. And so the same applies here. Uh, Gina Haspel was one of those people and I am using past tense for a reason and that should be coming to fruition in the next couple months. But she was one of those people that you could not pitch to. Uh, She would take orders very well. And, you know, one of favorite, one of the most favorite statements that John has stated in my presence is know your place. And she knew her place. She knew that as long as she did her job, she would get whatever benefits she wanted uh, and whatever those were. I don't know. Uh, it's very hard to read her as a person. Um, I know her personal life is not so good. Uh, she's had some ups and downs and that's a more like to character thing, whatever. But what you need to understand is that now she has to cooperate. She's going to be burning a lot of these old solid bridges. And we have to understand that there are a lot of things that she won't be able to talk about only because of their clandestine nature, though she is going to be forced to provide the documentation, the communications, the trip notes, uh, you know, and everything else in between that happened in 2016 between her, the FBI, the CIA and the DNI under the Obama administration. Administration. And this will be coming to fruition. Her communications with um, uh, Stefan Halper, with Miss Foot, with um, Downer, with Christopher Steele, with, you know, Glenn Simpson, with Nellie Orr, because Nellie Orr operated under Gina Haspel. Come on, guys. And the fact that she had a front working for Fusion GPS, it was to get paid. I've told you this before operatives that work under cloak and dagger don't get a paycheck in their salary that says central intelligence agency come on guys you got to be stupid to think that it's usually something like toys r us or fusion gps or some startup or some random you know company that's how they get paid they get paid by working through other companies and don't get me wrong like, say, pretend that you're, you know, an asset for an intelligence community, you know, group. Um, you're going to have a long-standing job with XYZ company that you are a 1099 with for a long time. And yes, you will be actually doing some work for that vendor, you know, for that vendor, for that company. But in essence, uh, it's actually just masked with um, project work you do. So in essence, the money goes to them and then they pay you, right? From the intelligence community through other pores or set up companies or whatever. Uh, That's how it works. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Gina Haspel is going to offer. And we already know we've had eyes on this, right? 
Uh, we had Pompeo already in on it. We already have good people from other intelligence groups. And I've mentioned one of them that a lot of people didn't know about that already have all this information. And remember the 72 hour capture that they were able to manipulate. It doesn't just go one way. I mean, if you're monitoring us unchecked, of course, people are monitoring you unchecked. And the agencies that are responsible for these uh, 702 sections, right, the certifications of 702, when they see something going wrong and they see where these this information is being extracted to, they, on the other hand, I'm just saying, open up their own little secret investigation to see those people that are getting this information, what they're doing with it. So while you were spying, people were spying on you to find out why you were spying. So it's all going to come out. And like I've said before, we've already won the war. We're at the fighting portion. Whereas the other side, the nefarious side, the fourth unelected branch side is fighting the war. So they've already lost. Uh, so on that note, I just want you guys to stay patient and diligent on that because there is a lot coming out now and a lot will be destroyed in regards to narratives and resources and reliability and honesty of these, uh, intelligence officials that are on the chopping block. And this will all stem from Julian Assange. You know, I've noticed that a lot of people that have been, you know, supposedly conservative, <clears throat> pardon me, supposedly on this Trump train are working with companies like Code Pink, are working with leftists in this Assange movement, how, you know, we can't have Assange come here. I want you guys to go back to my show about Assange and listen carefully as to how I told you his health will deteriorate. I've told you that because they will, they do not want us to have Assange. And if anyone out there thinks that any of these indictments actually can stick, they're insane. Why would we hold accountable or jail someone that has liberated the people of the United States with the information he exposed. Um, we'll talk about that uh, right after the break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it? The more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978, 855-700-2978, 855-700-2978, that's 
800-529-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I wanted um, to bring something to your attention before I continue on Assange. So we do realize that, I, and I talked about it earlier, that Adam Schiff has requested that um, Eric Gates and General Flynn come in and testify. Now, I'm pretty sure that um, his attorney, Sidney uh, Powell, and I'm so excited that she is his attorney. Uh, she is incredible. And obviously, she will need time uh, to read through uh, all the information uh, that is available to her uh, because you know, she needs to understand how and where they're going to use that next strategy. So this is great. And the fact that, you know, under the rules of the court, she is afforded a, um, I think it's at, you know, at least 30 days, maximum 90 days to review, which is great because she could get the full 90 days. Uh, and that would come after Labor Day. And I've said that before. Now I am tweeting out something on, uh, Tori says at Tori says, I want you guys to pay attention to something. So Twitter has duplicated General Flynn's Twitter account. Now, if you go into the search bar and type Flynn, just F-L-Y-N, scroll down, you'll see there are two identical General Flynn accounts. Now, we've been working on this since yesterday when it popped up, and that would assume that there is a duplication account somewhere in the background because they all trace to different account numbers, um, you know, how they're numbered by trace. So their footprints are different. I've just tweeted it out on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Tori, T-O-R-E underscore says. Um, this is very interesting. Um, where's your standard? 
Adam. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of us looking into things and paying attention. And here is where we lack attention. Uh, I said to you guys yesterday that uh, we were supposed to be having on the 12th, which was yesterday, the hearing on Assange. I hear that it's going forward. People are saying it's not going forward. Obviously, I was right because the Home Secretary in the United Kingdom signed the extradition order. And on Friday, they're going to decide on it. So now that Assange, uh, the whole Assange issue is um, heating up. And the fact that I was proven right how WikiLeaks said, no, there's not going to be, you know, a consideration for it until Friday indicates that they're compromised too. And I don't know if they're purposely putting out misinformation so that bad actors uh, can't uh, respond to it. But I can tell you one thing, something's up. And what's even more interesting is that I noticed that there was a filing on the 10th of this month by Aaron Rich against uh, Real Matt Couch at Real Matt Couch and, um, you know, his team on investigating the Seth Rich murder. Now, Aaron Rich is uh, Seth Rich's brother. And and they put down that they're going to be subpoenaing someone called Michael Chavez for their case. The interesting thing is, is that the law firm that is representing Aaron Rich is a DNC law firm. Actually, they represent Hillary Clinton. Actually, they represent the DNC. Actually, they are part of the DNC, Wilkie Farr. And actually, the helicopter that crashed, crashed into a building with Wilkie Farr. But I don't think the helicopter had anything to do in regards to Wilkie Farr, but maybe um, trying to make note. And I'll get into that later in the show because it's still coming in. It's very curious, this helicopter crash, uh, you know, um, and this whole, you know, Wilkie Farr is just coming up everywhere. So everybody needs to understand that there is a lot going on that we can't really make statements on that are firm, but tell us another story. Um, I'd like to play a clip where Assange himself talked about Seth Rich. And he did it in a way, I, I think a lot of you have heard me hold my words and choose my words sometimes. Take a listen to this one minute clip of Assange. There. We Do you even know what you're sitting on? WikiLeaks never sits on material. Uh, our whistleblowers go to significant efforts to get us material and often very significant risks. As a 27-year-old who uh, works for the DNC, who was shot in the back, murdered uh, just two weeks ago uh, for un- unknown reasons as he was walking down the street in Washington. So that was, that was just a robbery, I believe, wasn't it? No, it's, there's no finding. So, uh, what are you suggesting? Of, what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that our sources uh, take risks, and they are they become concerned uh, to see things occurring uh, like that. But was he one uh, of your sources then? I mean, we don't comment on who our sources but are. Why but why make the suggestion about a young guy being shot the, in the streets of Washington? Because uh, we have to understand uh, how high the stakes are uh, in the United States and that our sources are, you know, our sources face serious risks. Uh, that's why they come to us, so we can protect uh, their anonymity. Uh, but it's quite something to suggest a murder. That's basically what you're doing. Well, that others have, have suggested that. Uh, we are investigating to understand... Uh, what happened uh, in that situation with Seth Rich. I think it is uh, a concerning situation. Uh, There's not a conclusion yet. We wouldn't be willing to um, 
state a conclusion, but we are concerned about So as you can see, he pretty much admitted it was him and uh, it was just super crystal clear. And he had to use his words and you had to listen in between the lines. When Assange gets to the United States, this is a man that has more information than what has been printed, uh, you know, or published, I guess I'm using old school terms, um, that's been published. Uh, and he said that he doesn't always publish everything because it can cause damage. It can compromise assets. It can compromise people and cause death. Uh, you have to think just how important Assange coming to the United States is. So the fact that this was signed by the Home Secretary approving um, him to be brought to the United States is incredible. Now, uh, obviously, we know that uh, Schiff... Uh, I'm shifting gears here. Uh, the mainstream media, first of all, is not really talking about uh, Assange, and that's interesting. But we do see all the cronies, the Assange fans, that are going the wrong way because they are aligning with groups that are linked to uh, far progressive terroristic activities like, you know, Code Pink, um, Pueblos de Fronteras. Just look at the people that are screaming to not bring Assange to the United States. That's all you have to look at. And, you know, Dr. Jane Ruby uh, tweeted out that a lot of people that have infiltrated the conservative, the right, the patriotic movement to take back our country are now slowly being exposed. Um, all we have to do is pay attention to things they say. It could be one word, one statement, or one commentary that's off. You know, I've had a lot of people email me saying, Mike Cernovich is insane. He's a plant. He's this. No, Mike Cernovich is Mike Cernovich. I love him. I don't agree with everything he says, but he owns himself. He's never... Um, made any commentary that is contrary to him. Uh, so I love him. Uh, regardless of where he sits on the fence po politically, I appreciate opposing commentary. I appreciate his... I, I absolutely adore him. Though there's other people that I see are being retweeted all the time that come off as very, very... Um, patriotic, very, very against the deep state. But then they make some certain slight movements... That really don't make sense. So pay attention because all this will be coming out uh, very soon. I was actually sent um, information saying that um, the special counsel asked uh, to fire Kellyanne Conway for violation of the Hatch Act. Okay, so who is the special counsel making these demands? Uh, it's pretty interesting how they are making such demands uh, for <laughs> to get Kellyanne Conway fired. Um, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Uh, they're all in panic, okay? Assange is going to be coming, Okay, we're going to get that all cleared up. This whole Russians hacking the DNC exchange server will be exposed. Murder will be exposed because come on, guys, a murder happens in Washington, D.C., filled with CCTV everywhere, ballistics. And, you know, I was talking about this with Scott Adams earlier. 
government firearms have ballistic fingerprints that can be traced, if not to the specific gun that was issued, but to the pool of guns that were issued to what area? Where's that report? Why is everything sealed? Why is everything so under wraps? What don't they want us to know? Why did Debbie Wasserman Schultz flip out when Metro PD had her laptop and she said, do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm going to do to you? You remember that? Why, why, why? All these questions and people are sitting there with their thumbs up their butt. Some people saying, oh, Seth Rich LARP. Well, you're going to be eating your words real quick because Assange never puts his name on anything and you just heard him say it, but not say it. Because you never want to give up sources and he's telling you, look at this murder, something happens. This is what happens to some of our sources. This is the extent of what sources can go through. They can be murdered. And we've seen this throughout the test of time with people um, attempting to expose mafia guys, cartel guys, right? And the fourth unelected branch of government is no different from a cartel in Mexico. They're no different than mobsters. They are a mafia. They're disgusting. They are a group. They're, they're like a, they're the worst type of mafia you can imagine. They will strong arm you. They will use their agencies against you. They will do anything in their power to eradicate you. That's all. They will do anything in their power. And they're failing quick. Okay? They're failing very quick. We have to remember that, uh, you know, the morning briefing uh, that happened. Uh, okay. Let me rephrase. The President of the United States today is going to be talking about um, second chances about providing that opportunity on, uh, you know, this first step and hiring these people as a second chance, kind of like giving them a free, clean card to start over again and creating incentives for that. In addition, he's going to be working with governors in regards to uh, amplifying workforces. Now, I don't know if my governor is going there because my governor is a darn tool. They have done absolutely nothing to attract businesses. All they do is pay people off to to want to come here and then they get up and leave, which is so dumb. It doesn't work. But that's another way of funneling state and federal tax money into your pocket and saying that you were bribing people to come. Now, the New York Times has been actively working. I remember the New York Times is the mouthpiece of this fourth unelected branch of government. It seems that they're the ones that have the bullhorn. It's, it's almost as if they do their social media in PR, right? It's like they're, it's like they're a PR firm. They are. Because all they do is uh, rebut, uh, reinforce, and make statements to make uh, the fourth unelected branch of government look good. So, you know, they're constantly reinforcing how the CIA and the FBI under the Obama administration were really heroes. They were really looking into Russian interference and they were they had bona fide concerns, you know, and it was really important. But the thing is, all right, you're saying that it was Russia, right? You're saying it was Russia. Then why were you spying on General Flynn? And why were you spying on President Trump? Why were you spying on everyone in 
President Trump's orbit from 2015. If you had no idea about Russia until 2016, if you had no idea about the DNC hack until 2016, why did you start your efforts earlier? I mean, it's completely dumb if anyone believes that that is, in fact, how it was done. You know, they talk about, um, you know, how they were really concerned. Then why was it when CrowdStrike was analyzing the DNC exchange server in April, right? They were analyzing it in April of 2016 that you suddenly released assets like Joseph, uh, you know, Misfud, who is hiding out in Italy and Italy is complying. They just fired the heads of their intelligence agencies, right? He's hiding out in Italy, going on to Papadopoulos so you can grab a foothold so you can start investigations. You know, they knew that the DNC was hacked. They sent these operatives out to earwig into the Trump administration. Yo, I'm hearing the Russians got some dibs on Hillary. Yeah. How did you know about it, Miss Foot in April? Because you didn't have access to the place where these emails were hanging out. There were a lot of Americans that did, but you didn't because you're not in the group. So how did you know? Because you knew they were hacked. Guys, pay attention. Pay attention. They knew they were hacked. CrowdStrike was hired to make it look like Russians did it. They changed the footprint. They, they, they put out the report and they weren't even a vendor of the FBI to do that forensic work. Okay. So it's even their report is worth nothing. It's toilet paper. You can't present that in court because there's no actually chain of custody. There's no, um, uh, you know, verification that they were a vendor. Thus their work means nothing. It's toilet paper. But look at the timelines. It was March, 2016 that the DNC server was imaged on a thumb drive. It was March, 2016 that those emails were on a certain place in the internet that a lot of people had access to. It was at that time that they were trying to figure out how to release those emails. Do they go down to Europe and send it off with the Panama papers? Do they drop it to WikiLeaks? How did they do that? Those were the questions that were being asked in March discussing it. They found out. When did they talk about it? When they all met with Hillary Clinton and all her attorneys and said, dude, we're screwed. Podesta's and yours, everything, all the emails, they hacked them. What do we do? Under the guise of the mid-year exam review, pay attention. So suddenly they hire CrowdStrike beginning of April. And at that time, all these assets are released into the ether, attacking anyone in President Trump's orbit earwigging the russians have something they've got emails Ooh, and they're really juicy you want some do you know anything about it and they kept doing it until they got them on the record saying yo interesting or until they had some confirmation that that information they earwigged that information they provided they put out there was maybe transferred to the trump administrations or the trump campaign at the time you know so much more that you know Corsi and Roger Stone in the late summer were like, yo, we're hearing about these emails and, you know, they're going to WikiLeaks and, you know, the Russians and whatnot. Did the Russians really do it? I want to find out. They wanted to know where they came from because you know what? Smart people don't just take what you tell them at face value. And I was told one thing as a young, eager person that is never 
take anything as an axiom. Question everything. Even if it's written in stone, you got to question it. Because as you question it, it'll prove itself correct or it'll prove itself a farce. That's the way it is. So look at the timelines. It's evident this whole thing was manufactured, the planting of ideas, you know, so people could start talking. The Russians hacked it, Russian. They spread it. It was rumors because they didn't know who did it, but they did find out. They found out because no matter how close your circle is online, in the dark corners of the internet, on the undernet chats, you know, where you're sitting on IRC from 1995, chit, 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 and you fostered relationships with people where you exchange information. There's always going to be that one person because everybody has a price. Now, who that person is, we don't know yet. But what we do know is that that is how they found out who was the one that did the imaging. And that person paid for their life. But there were other people that have been unsung that were part of this that are gone. But how do you find them when they were nobodies? They weren't in positions like DNC staffers. They weren't in positions like handing over, you know, and serving the DNC for a fraud lawsuit. They weren't in those positions. So many people went missing because it was so well orchestrated by patriots. So if you pay attention to the timeline and even to what they say. Comey even said that in April, CrowdStrike was like forensically analyzing. Oh, was it in April? And this is when Misfud was, you know, tracking down Papadopoulos, you know, to set him up with a Russian spy and earwig and say, hey, by the way, the Russians got some emails. I have Downer come by, sitting by him. You know, picture it, man. You're sitting at a bar and some round, tubby, stupid Australian that's an asset comes by. Yeah, I hear about these emails. Maybe I can get them to you. Yeah, we should talk about it. Yeah, did you tell the Trump campaign? Yeah, I, 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 I'll mention it. Yeah, I heard about it. Or ask him to probe you so you can repeat what other people told you. This is how you set people up. This is disgusting. No one's getting it. It's a pure setup because they were losing control. They understood just how far free citizens or people that still believe that they are free go to. And this is why we see all these atrocities that have occurred from murder to prosecution to elimination to fabrication to weaponizing our federal agencies to weaponizing our foreign intelligence allies to buying money. You know, President Trump said something, and this is where it's going to lead us to the next hour where we're going into Iran. And my friend, Chris was talking about it and he was like, this is the first time, you know, President Trump, someone said what you said, Tori, which is that plane had multiple currencies because we didn't have, an, have enough dollar dollar, right? He said that in Iowa, that we stacked a plane with 1.8 billion. I'm going to tell you it was more than that because we had more planes um, because part of what he said was that, you know, they were coming in from other countries. I'm telling you, it was Obama's bank, you know, and I'm pretty sure, um, you know, if, if, if it was up to me, I would educate my educated guess would be Wells Fargo that um, helped accumulate this currency. But a lot of these planes went from other countries um, and flown directly to Iran or us to load the plane. He said it because it was more than 1.8 billion. And I've told you, what is the purpose of Iran? It's not about the oil. 
It's not about, you know, the who, it's not about hating Americans. It's not about loving Sharia. It's not about that. You don't get it. Iran was set up in 1978 when Peter Strzok's daddy was there to put up the Khamenei, you know, uh, regime. The whole purpose of them is that they don't trade in dollar. Ergo, you can't trace their investments and money because almost every single country on this planet, sans Cuba, North Korea, and Iran trade in their own you know, currency, whatever that may be, but not the dollar. Every other country on the planet uses the dollar as a basis of trade. Okay. Let's get that clear. So if you're not using the U.S. dollar as trade, we can't trace money. Iran is the hub of washing money and funding mercenary attacks. Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, you name it, Al-Shabaab, all of these clowns are paid through Iran, not through the Iranian government, but through the organized, organized financial money laundering that they have set up. They are there simply for a front. And when Obama sent that money, he didn't send it just to fund terrorism. He didn't send it just to give him a kickback because, you know, when you wash money, you get a kickback. It's like your friend saying, I got $10,000, but I can't deposit it into this is a total crime, by the way. But this is what money laundering is. Your friend can't explain how he came into $10,000. So he gives it to you and then another friend. And then you go buy something for your friend and give it to them, uh, you know, and in little pieces. You wash the money. You make the trace and the source of the money go away. That's what money laundering is. And that is the purpose of Iran. Everybody knows. Aside from the fact of them being actually rich in natural resources and minerals, right? They are rich. So why would they strike a deal like this? Because they didn't want to end up like other countries. They felt that if they had this stronghold, they would be the epitome of the Middle East. They were coerced and, you know, the CIA placed their asset. And that was the regime. And Peter Strzok's daddy took it home. And you know, who else knows a lot about this? Brennan, Obama. They all hung out with the Iranians. They all know everything. And where's Valerie Jarrett from? Oh, right. That's right. Iran. And who, who is Valerie Jarrett? She actually lives with Barack Hussein Obama. So what people need to pay attention to is that Iran is not a threat for nuclear, you know, I'm making nuclear missiles. They have rich resources in uranium and they can create enriched uranium, which can create weapons of mass destruction. But after this break, I'm going to demonstrate to you today's new attack new attack because we had that false flag coming in from where did they say the theory is that it came in from Europe hitting that Saudi ship right well today we had more and this time it hit Japanese ships but there is so much more to that that they're not telling you and I'm going to break it down to you Uh, my sources have come through for me and I guess you know fostering them for so many decades would allow me to have that so pay attention to how they want things to pan out i'll see you all just after the break
Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, I'm always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Red State Talk Radio. You can listen to me on uh, your terrestrial waves or stream me online. You can either download the Red State Talk Radio app or the Talk Stream Live app and have a listen. Though I always do, and I try to, okay? Um, you know, same day, upload them as podcasts that you can subscribe to, too. Now, let's... Let's get into the real news, okay? Aside from all the drama going on domestically, Schiff panicking, the Democrats in panic. Assange, you know, his extradition was approved by the Home Secretary in the UK. That's going to be coming up tomorrow. Gina Haspel coming forward. You know, them sending General Flynn subpoenas. As we know, the amazing Sidney Powell is now his attorney, and I'm so excited. All this is happening and we're missing the point. Foreign, you know, I remember I said there was something going on and brewing that I couldn't put my finger on when President Trump was talking in Iowa. He seemed really PO'd. It wasn't him. He seemed different. And I was talking um, with someone that I consider my best friend, believe it or not, um, a total stiff cheese ball, but I consider a friend um, and many others, of course. And I said, you know, I think it's down to something going on with foreign policy, but I can't read it. I'm not understanding. It's got to be foreign policy, though. Everyone else was saying, no, it's the polls. Nobody listens to the polls. Nobody cares. They're all fake. We have polls that said that Hillary Clinton was leading, right? We had, what was it? Uh, scholars, right? Or, you know, um, Nobel Prize and, you know, uh, winners saying that, you know, she's going to win hands down, right? So nobody listens to the polls. It wasn't the polls. I've said it. There had to be something on foreign policy that I wasn't paying attention to. Now, I did know um, that we had this Assange thing going on, and there's a lot of tension with the United Kingdom right now on that. Uh, and we have the talks with North Korea and it was very important that he mentioned, and I mentioned it before he mentioned it, that he got a really nice letter from North Korea, but it was all about Iran. So it's as if the, the EU, this global order will not let up. They had, you know, an attack on a Saudi vessel, uh, at, um, uh, just a couple weeks ago, if you remember, uh, in May, and they were blaming Iran. Iran was like, what? Um, I don't know what you're saying because their two Saudi, uh, you know, oil tankers uh, were found to be um, attacked. And the attack was kind of weak. 
So a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, you know, during in in the Hormuz Strait, which is it's basically like a strait that separates Iran and Oman. And remember, I've told you about Oman and Yemen and the pipelines and all this rubbish. Right. I've, I've gone through it before. And I've told you how the European Union relies on these relations to siphon oil from these nations. I've also explained to you on many occasions how Saudi Arabia is acting like Russia when it came to Crimea, which is, guys, what are you doing? Why are you just selling your own people out? Why can't you be rich? Why are you just selling your oil and they're letting them siphon your minerals from your land, uh, you know, pennies to a dollar when you can become rich like us? You know, why are you, uh, you know, being owned by them? This is the Saudi conversation that's happening with the people of Yemen. And this is why they have a famine. So just so you guys understand, the strait itself is about, um, you know, having really good knowledge there. It's about 30 to 30, it's between 30 to 35 kilometers wide. I would say 33 to be on average. And, um, you know, uh, this strait has, um, you know, it's, three kilometers in uh, each direction, you would say, going and coming, okay, Uh, between Iran and Oman. Now, uh, you know, Iran, when the attack happened on the Saudi ships, Iran came out with a statement. Their Ministry of Foreign Affairs came out and said that these events are very worrying and horrific and, um, you know, asked for an investigation. Now, word on the street has it that these attacks were actually organized by our allies. No one's talking about it, obviously, right? Because our allies, and I'm using air quotes and you can't see it, so I'm telling you I'm using air quotes, have a lot writing on this. Because remember, they get their oil from where? Turkey. The majority of the oil that Turkey gets is from where? Iran. And then they also siphon from Oman and, you know, Yemen and Qatar that feed into these pipelines. But the majority of their oil and gas comes from Iran and it goes through Turkey and the European Union relies on it or else they're they're stuck and they have to rely on Russia. So as you can see, Turkey has aligned itself with Iran, but with the European rhetoric right? With the EU rhetoric, with the radical Islamic rhetoric support to Iran, whereas the actual government of Iran, the government of Iran is not anti-American. You know, they're, they're not, they're not chanting the actual government of Iran has not pinpointed that the Americans are to blame, but they're blaming Zionists and whatever, whatever that means. Because, you know, I, I played a clip from you, uh, to you yesterday, uh, that was, uh, you know, stated out to the people of Iran, uh, during a big prayer. Uh, so they're not blaming the United States, but those that are controlling countries like the United States and Europe, whatever, I don't care. The bottom line is we're going to look at the facts. And here's the facts. If you remember, President Trump spoke with Abe. They all hung out together. And Abe said he is more than happy when he flies into Iran to talk to Iran on behalf of President Trump and negotiate discussions. President Trump has said many, many times that he is willing to visit with Iran and have conversations. 
In the meantime, what people need to pay attention to is that Barack Hussein Obama has met with Iranian officials in Europe. This is why he was globetrotting. Same thing with Clapper. Same thing with Brennan. Same thing with Kerry. All hatchack things, you may say. But hey, how do you hold them accountable? Are they quasi-official when they're out? Don't know. But what I can tell you is that they've been caught in various cities of the European Union discussing with uh, Iranian officials. Now, which Iranian officials? Their assets. Kind of like Kim Jong-un's brother. Okay? Because within the regime, they have their assets that tell actors how to act. They, how does uh, Schiff say it? They guide us in the way we should execute legislation, right? That's how he talks about the fourth branch of an elected government. And this is the same thing. The world order, in air quotes, has said that too, that we all need to cooperate together to help uh, facilitate um, and maintain this Iran nuclear deal, which I've analyzed to you before, which is just a whole load of uh, BS. Um, And, you know, the money laundering operation is going. So today, we had two more attacks in the Hormuz Strait. And what funny, what was funny is, is that one of my sources instantly texted me on our um, discussion board, wow, wow, the Hormuz Strait again, sounds like they're pulling the card from the 80s. Do you remember how I said that what happened with Nixon and John Dean was a template? They reused that during the Bush 43 administration. And it worked without having to impeach a president because he complied. And that they were reusing this template now in Trump because if something's worked in the past, you kind of reuse it, right? Well, this is exactly it. Between 1980 uh, and 1988, there's something called the tanker wars. And what people um, fail to remember is that these tanker wars uh, that occurred in the 80s were pretty, um, pretty huge. This is how we had uh, war break out in uh, Iraq. And this is how we began our infiltration into Kuwait, our infiltration in the Middle East. It is based on these tanker wars. This has happened before. It's not like it's something new, which begs to bring to the attention of what is going on here? Who is running the show? Why is this happening? This is what you have to ask yourself. If we've used this template before to break down Lebanon, to break down Libya, to break down Iraq, what are we doing here? It's not to break down Iran because they already own it, but it is to disrupt their liberation. Now, what's curious is, is that a lot of people are not making mention that Russia has made an official statement. And before, well, let me just tell you, the statement was a warning to all. Do not rush to conclude These attacks do not rush to conclude and throw liability and blame on who is responsible for these attacks on Iran. Do not rush to that judgment. This is what they said. And specifically, um, uh, and I quote uh, what Sergei Ryamkov, Ryabkov said, um, who is the um, alternate uh, minister of foreign affairs. I mean, 
Think about it. These are Russians, the Russians that are competing with the Iranians for oil, right? So they're supporting their competition. And he said, I'm using this opportunity in order to warn against any hasty conclusions, any attempt to blame those who are considered undesirable by a number of known countries. They are sticking up for Iran. But here's the kicker. Who's in Iran right now? Yes, it's Abe. What ships were attacked? Japanese ships. Interesting. Interesting how the tank wars are rising. These are the tank wars, the the tanker wars of the 80s happening again. This is not something new. They have used this. And this, you know, if there is, here's what happened with the tanker wars in the 80s. So because there was so much hostility, and remember what happened in 1980, 1978, Peter Strzok's daddy was in Iran removing the government and installing the communists. Remember, we, the United States, well, the CIA, the fourth unelected branch of government, penetrated Iran and created them to be an asset country for us just for the purpose of money laundering. Just for that. We took over. We instilled our own People. This is a very big deal. Think of timing because timing tells you everything you need to know always. So when uh, this, uh, these tanker wars happened in the 80s, uh, oil prices shot up. Why? Because you can't use the straight to, to, to move oil anymore. You have to go around the long way, which costs more money. So it's, uh, it's pretty, um, incredible when you see that, uh, this is happening now as we have Abe negotiating, uh, conversation and facilitating conversations between Iran and, uh, the U S uh, you know, Rajkov said not to rush blame. The UN Secretary General um, immediately condemned all attacks and said we need to clarify the facts um, and uh, who we're going to assign liability to this. Um, and this is like increasing hostility in the region. London, on the other hand, was um, expressing their concerns about the attacks, um, saying that they're working with their partners to determine the incidents. Now, here's this. Um, German foreign minister Heiko said, uh, you know, we're very concerned about these attacks and all the reports we've received. And these are extremely worrying. And um, an escalation of this situation is very dangerous. And these facts can lead to some really serious escalation, said Moss, who came from a tour of Iran uh, in the region. And they all were kind of like their conversation to the press was kind of like already shifting blame to Iran. And then, uh, you know, the EU rep of um, Mogherini uh, said that um, people need to avoid the challenges in the region. So he's already calling for shipping companies to um, not go through the straits. This is a big, this causes a big impact in the markets.
Meaning, don't go through there because you might be exploded. So take the longer route. This kills the market. Oil prices are going to surge because it's not just oil tankers that go through there. We've got other trade um, things going. Like Japan had their two ships there. They weren't oil tankers per se. They had Japanese-related products. Probably, you know, I don't know, Hitachi stuff, whatever. They had Japanese-related products. So it's not just oil and gas that goes through these straits. This is a major, uh, you know, trade route. It's like, imagine the Panama Canal. Instead of going, now they're saying, don't go through, like, for say, so you can visualize it. For those of you that don't know the geography as well as I do in the Middle East and how trade with Asia and Europe happen and Africa there, imagine it's the Panama Canal. That's what you got to relate it to. So now, if you go through the Panama Canal, you're going to be exploded. We don't know who's doing it yet, but you might be exploded. So why not take the long route? So if your ship, instead of cutting through the Panama Canal um, from the North Atlantic, right, uh, from the Atlantic Ocean to come out to the Pacific and go and deliver, you have to go around South America. That's more money, more time, longer, um, you know, longer delivery time. And, uh, you know, ergo, when you land to wherever you need to land, the, let's pretend you're going to Australia with your goods, you know, from Florida, boom, you know, suddenly the prices are huge. You know, where it would have cost landing a dollar per piece, it's going to be like three because you just had to add an extra month on your trip. You have to pay those employees a month extra. You got to spend more gas for that trip. You understand it and get more resources to feed your crew, et cetera, whatever. So this is what they've done. They've now told people avoid the strait so you don't have challenges in the region. It's kind of like saying, don't go through the Panama Canal, go around it. Uh, because we don't know what's going on. This is purposely done. Now, Oman and the UAE, um, uh, you know, both of them, you know, have their coastlines, you know, you know, up into the Gulf of Oman, which by the way, is one of the most awesome places to swim. I'm just going to tell you, even though tankers go through and whatever, the beaches there are so awesome. But anyway, um, they didn't, they didn't really want to make a statement because they're not sure what's going on. They're like, what is going on here? This is the second time, you know, within a couple of weeks that this is happening. And, you know, it's not like they could come on the record and say, we know it's the Western nations doing this because they want to thwart, you know, communications, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, peace in the Middle East because it takes a lot more courage to create peace than it is war. So they're using this, you know, first they did it to instigate and say, Ooh, look, Saudi Arabia you were hit and you know they're wrong because there's so many eyes on it they already figured it out it's not like you could go on the record and say hey Europe what are you doing you know because then you're uh, wearing a tinfoil hat you can't do that you can't call them out like that kind of like we want to say hey uh England you kind of uh helped make this fake dossier and and you actually used your resources and Hennigan actually you know uh, contributed to it you can't call them out like that you have to expose it how do you expose it by being patient now Saudi Arabia and the UAE are supposedly at neck and neck with Iran right and they have uh 
previously on many times uh, when attacks happen on oil assets in the Gulf, they say that, uh, you know, it endangers, you know, uh, oil supplies and regional security and it has an environmental impact. So what's curious is these attacks happened like on the Saudi ships, but there weren't any oil spills. This time the attacks happened on ships that weren't really carrying oil. So whoever did it, did it with an environmentally friendly way, because if the environmentally friendly stuff comes in, more eyes get in and then it's just like a big circus. So it's very calculated the way they hit the attack, right? It's extremely calculated how they did the attack and how um, it was executed in regards to timing. Now, um, just so you understand, these um, shipping, this shi- these ships are... Um, that were hit, the Japanese ships, they actually um, had and housed uh, different sailors because we know sailors come from all countries. I mean, I have a really good friend of mine who's in the Merchant Navy, that's what it's called, and he's Greek, and he's on boats uh, heading uh, down the Oman Strait all the time. Uh, He's on boats going out to China. You know, he just hops on different merchant boats, uh, you know, for a living. He does it, which I'm, you know, if I was... You know, a single male, I'd totally do that too. So awesome. But what we need to understand is these merchant ships, these two tankers, I guess, in the Gulf that would say um, of Oman uh, have caused a complete concern because almost instantly when this happened, we saw, you know, almost a 5% jump in the oil price you know, the minute the European markets opened in the morning. Uh, That's a big deal. And it gives concern to the ships that are uh, going through there. And the fact that the European Union is reinforcing on a very loud platform to avoid the Gulf of Oman means that more things are going to be going. Now, um, Front Alter, which is uh, one of the tankers, you would say, that was wrapped in flames. It was sailing off the Iranian Gulf of Oman when the explosion um, was caused by a magnetic mine. So this is what they're saying. There was a magnetic mine, So, the, which is really weird. Um, but the crew of the ship the crew of that ship were part of a Norwegian company. And funny how President Trump said Norway yesterday on his interview, right? So a Norwegian company called Frontline, right, that, um, you know, carried the Marshall Islands flag was the crew of the Front Altair uh, ship, Um And they recruited a ship in the area, uh, and then they were transferred uh, to an Iranian rescue boat. So what they're saying is that there was a magnetic mine in merchant waters, which would be so dumb. Like, Iran depends on these things. And here's the deal. They were leaving Iran off the Gulf Gulf of Oman. They were, like, sailing away um, off Iran to the Gulf of Oman, right? And there was a magnetic mine. Like, why would the Iranians put mines to people that just traded with their countries? I mean, think about it. Another tanker owned by Japanese company was evacuated because it was being hit by a torpedo. It was hit by a torpedo. This is the actual. So one had a magnetic mine, the other one a torpedo, and... um. 
the the crew uh, was also saved by the Iranians. Um, Eleven of the crew members were actually Russian, uh, and uh, sixteen of them were actually Greek. Uh, you know, so this is really really crazy because these are all coming on the heels just to almost three weeks after four other tankers were hit by mines in uh, you know uh, a you know, the strait that is very important to trade world trade, not just for Iran, right? World trade. So think about it. Why would Iran be trading with these companies? Why would Iran torpedo a ship while Abe is in Iran? I mean, you've got to be really dumb and really thick to think that Iran planted magnetic mines in a strait full of merchant waters, right? This is merchant passes, merchant ships trade, not just for Iran, but for everyone. So why would they put magnetic mines and one gets hit by a mine as it leaves the port of Iran heading into the Gulf of Oman and then the other one is torpedoed while their prime minister of that ship is literally in the country negotiating peace talks? Do you see this? This is where it gets crazy. So the Iranian state news that I saw, um, you know, when they uh, when the attack happened uh, local time, it was like around eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, they said it was 25 nautical miles from um, Badarazesk and um the Marshall Islands tanker, the one that I said had like the Norwegian crew, it wasn't a Norwegian ship. Uh, it was carrying uh, ethanol uh, that was loaded in Qatar and destined for Taiwan. Okay, so that ship had um, uh, the with the Norwegian crew that had left the Iranian shore had loaded ethanol from Qatar and it was going to Taiwan. So they identified where the ship had gone, how it passed through its waters, where it was going, and it happened 25 nautical miles. Guys, this is pure insanity. I mean, who would believe that Iran would be throwing magnetic mines into merchant waters? They didn't. And then how do you find and detect this magnetic mine? I mean, what do we do? Put out choppers and drop the sweepers so we can explode them all? I mean, that's what has to happen you have to shut down you know the strait and here's another thing what ships have passed earlier that time because i would look at the ships that have passed through that strait through that specific area uh, all of them within the past you know 48 hours because it had to be a merchant ship that dropped that magnetic mine Who's working with whoever's dropping these mines where did this torpedo come from who shot a torpedo where did it come from? What sub? I'm just saying. So here's the thing. You know what? After the break, I'll just break down more of what happened. So just so you understand, the first thing first, uh, a, a Norwegian crew on a ship with a Marshall Islands flag, right, was attacked 25 nautical miles outside of Iran with a magnetic mine at about 7.50 a.m. local Iran time. We'll continue right after this break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. 
How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tory Says Show. Um, so we're going to continue on this Iran topic. Like I told you, the one ship uh, was with a Marshall Islands flag, had a Norwegian crew. They had loaded up in Qatar, had just coasted off Iran, heading into the Gulf of Oman um, on their way to Taiwan, 25 nautical miles out of Iran, getting hit by a magnetic mine. Um now, we have to remember that uh, the oil uh, prices just uh, shot up. Uh, the U.S. crude um, barrel in July itself rose about a dollar. It's up. Uh, it was at that point fifty-three dollars. It's going to be shooting up. The whole point of this type of attack is to. Um, reduce confidence of trading through the strait, which in turn will jeopardize markets. Uh, we have to remember that about 30% of the merchant ships um, and uh, that go through uh, this strait are um, crude oil. 
And if indeed, you know, uh, people take heed to what uh, the European Union is pushing, you know, those that yell the loudest have the most died, uh, you know, to not use the Oman Gulf or the Strait in general uh, for passing, this can cause huge concerns in regards to supply not only of oil, but other things uh, to the Western uh, nations and also to the Far East. Now, the the thing that we have to remember is that these things are occurring as President Trump is trying, trying to create open channels of communication uh, with Iran. The USS Lincoln, as we know, is... Um, is in the area, and they said, you know, they'll help where they can. Uh, the Fifth Fleet of the U.S. Navy, um, which is parked up by the armpit of one of the armpits of the world, Bahrain. I hated that place. Um, they um, actually came out on a statement saying that, uh, you know, they had received um, distressed um, danger signals from the Gulf of Oman. They are aware of it, and um, they believe that it was a targeted attack and uh, that American ships are on ready if needed. Uh, so that was a statement that the U.S. Navy made um, to the foreign press uh, out in the Middle East and Europe. Um, and that's pretty uh, interesting. I want to continue in telling you how all of all of this kind of ties in aside from the fact that it just looks out of this world and makes no sense uh, as to how it's going. But now let's talk about the second ship. So it's called the Kakuka Sangyo. Um, it's owned by a company, Kakuka Sangyo, uh, Korean. Um, it has um, a Panamanian uh, a flag, a Panamanian flag and Japanese nautical um, uh, signage for Kakuka Sangyo. So it, it's flying a Panamanian flag, remember. So the ships can have crews from other countries and they can be funded by other countries, but they can be ownership of other countries. Make sense? So it's clear for us to state that this was a Japanese shipping company that was sailing with a Panamanian flag. And uh, the attack cracked its hull with the torpedo uh, just above the waterline. Um, and that was actually announced by uh, Bernhard Schult, which is a uh, shipping management company. Um, now, all the crew members uh, were safe. Uh, no one was um, hurt. Uh, just one person was like slightly injured and slightly injured means maybe, you know, with the boom, they hit their head on a railing or something. Um, so the explosion on what you would call the, you know, of the Kakuka um, Courageous or the Korean Courageous um, company uh, is, um, it's the Kakuka Courageous actually, Um uh, they say may have happened due to a magnetic mine um, because the, the Kakuga Courageous is actually really unmanned. It doesn't have a lot of crew, just so people know. Um, and that ship um, has been hit, uh, was hit twice within the span of the three hours from the first hit. So that was really weird. 
Uh, CPC Corp, which is a refinancing company um, that uh, chartered the Front Altair, you know, the ship that had the Norwegian crew headed for Taiwan, uh, said that the tanker was possibly uh, hit by a torpedo. So the other ship said that the Kukuka Sanyo was actually hit by a torpedo at around... Um, f- um, what time would it be there? So we're talking Egyptian time. So that would be 7 a.m. Egyptian time. So yeah, around 8 a.m. Iranian time. Uh, and it carried um, 75,000 tons of naphthalene, um, naphtha, or naphtha, let's see, um, which is a flammable hydrocarbon in liquid form. So it was highly flammable, the cargo that they had, the naphtha. Um, Frontline also reported that the tanker uh, was wrapped in flames, but it didn't sink um, because the Iranian news agency had said that the ship was sinking. It didn't actually sink, though it was um, engulfed in flames. Um, Front Altair's 23-member um, crew, you know, the one that was hit by the magnetic mine, uh, it abandoned the ship once the explosion happened, and it was uh, picked up by a Dubai's Hyundai uh, sailing ship. And then the crew was then transferred to the Iranian rescue boats. Um, and that's what um, Hyundai uh, Merchant Marine actually said on the record. So the Iranian search and rescue people rescued a total of 44 people from all ships, uh, you know, together. Um, and they transferred them to the Iranian harbor. And this is being reported by um, Iran News Network, IRNA. And this is what's really curious, that these attacks uh, come right after the uh, shite Iranian-backed Iranian shite rebels launched a missile against the Abha airport in um, southern Saudi Arabia. Well, this is what they say happened, which injured 26 people. And now they're saying that the um, these rebels of Iran shot at Saudi Arabia and the Houthi have also been charged with a drone last month on Saudi Arabian pumping stations. So there's a lot of tension going on here. And these rebels are not reflective of what the Iranian government uh, is seeking to do. So one would have to question is how are these rebels being funded when they're obviously working against uh, the interests or what uh, Iran is trying Trying to accomplish in regards to talks with um, the United States. And so sources say that these uh, rebels in Iran and the Houthis, um, and this is something Saudi Arabia has come out to, say that um, they are actually being funded by Western nations that their activities are funded by Western nations. And one has to wonder as to why are they so adamant to make Iran such a big enemy? It's kind of like what they were doing with North Korea. And turns out North Korea just wanted to be liberated. And it turns out as we are learning more, just how entrapped and how under control of some, you know, deep, fourth unelected branch of global government, they were in control with new things coming out about Kim Jong-un's brother. Now, you know, what's strange is, is that all of this happened while, um, you know, Prime Minister Abi is in Tehran negotiating, you know, peace talks and trying to facilitate and open some cha- channel of communication with President Trump. 
And, you know, the foreign minister of Iran, um, Jawad Zarif, um, said himself, like, do you know, within this time span, like only a month, these two incidents are really suspicious. And um, he even tweeted out that the attacks were taking place while Abe was meeting with Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei. Um, for extensive friendly talks. And Khamenei told Abe that he would not repeat the bitter experience of negotiating with the U.S. and supposedly rejecting the possibility of talks with uh, President Trump. But Iranian President um, Rouhani said um, that the security that they have in the Iran Gulf is important. Now, um, there's a White House spokesperson, Sarah, uh, our White House spokesperson, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, said that, um, you know, she made an announcement saying that we're still, you know, looking into the situation of the Gulf of Oman after the attacks and that um, President Trump has been informed on the attacks of the two tankers. Now, that was a statement. I want you guys to understand that it's important that uh, – we look at what is escalating and why it's escalating. The, you know, Russia is coming out in support of Iran, even though Russia is supporting the United States in regards to its pressure on Iran. And remember, if Iran goes down, Russia has benefit because right now with the Gulf of Oman being tied into a bow and people not knowing who's dropping these magnetic mines and where are these torpedoes coming from, the one nation that is looking to profit is Russia because then people will just be buying energy from Russia because they can't you know, afford to go around the strait or not able to load from Qatar and go through there. It's going to just cost more money or they can't. I mean, why wouldn't Taiwan purchase from Russia? It's closer, right? So Russia stands to benefit, and yet Russia came to the aid saying, stop blaming Iran for this. You got to know the facts. And that, for me, is honorable, okay? Because they stand to benefit 100%. They stand to benefit. So we need to be looking things with more scrutiny and more um, more of a an objective perspective, Okay, because we've seen this before. We saw them do it in the 80s, right? Uh, with the tanker wars, uh, they floored our economy uh, with the tanker wars. It's 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 not something new. It's really not something new. And the fact that it is being perpetuated and uh, being put, you know, forward as something that you know, Iran did, uh, makes you wonder just why, uh, it's being done. So, I mean, why not make peace with Iran? They have so much, you know, to offer as a country, they have been wanting to escape the hold that uh, Western civilizations of, you know, European civilizations and the U.S. in the past have had on them for many, many years. And it seems that they want to escape this and they're not being allowed to. And nobody can come on the record and say, oh, it's because of this, because then they look like conspiracy theorists. So you can't come out and say, well, I kind of think it's the European Union because they're a little bit butthurt, you know, that... Uh, the Iran deal, he pulled out of it and he's going to get a better one with Iran. It makes them look like chumps. And that's true. Makes them look like chumps. They can't stand President Trump because he makes them all look like chumps. All of them. 
So that on Iran, keep your eyes open. A lot's going to be happening. Uh, you know, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how this pans out. But obviously, we won't hear a lot uh, because it's going to be uh, pretty interesting. Uh, to find out how this has happened. We know we want to uh, negotiate with them. We know we want to ensure that we have open channels of communication. But how can the com- how can company um, trust the United States when the United States itself created the foundations and then built this regime 40 years ago and the tanker wars was one of their ways of doing it so uh, president trump has his eyes on this he's um uh, very concerned and i would be and this would actually justify uh probably maybe getting information on intelligence of what's going to be happening and maybe the brewing that's happening on you know in the area from chatter uh was why he was so low energy in Iowa um the low energy on the fact that it, he wasn't himself he wasn't too peppy and he had something on his mind he looked pissed off and i sensed that from how he was speaking and this would make a hundred percent safe, Um, you know, sense because he wants talks to happen, but he wants them to be in a safe environment. So, you know, if we observe what just happened within four weeks, we're having these random torpedoes, magnetic mines being placed. Iran's like, dude, we're not doing it. And everyone's like, yeah, really? They're going to kill the economy because then you have to shut down the strait and put in minesweepers. But even if you sweep it, right, you take your helos and you drag it and you sweep, right? Because that's how you sweep for them, right? How do you know it's not a merchant ship that's dropping it? So the investigation has to ensue. And you would say you would look at about 48 hours, um, you know, prior um, to the explosions, uh, what uh, merchant ships have passed and which ones may have connections with um possible enemies. But at this point, the enemies are so vast that they pretend that they're friendlies. So how do you catch them? And how do you know if someone doesn't have some new type sub technology, which leads me to the question of how, wasn't it seven months ago that there was like a leak in the press where they discussed about some new German subs that Russia was complaining about uh, that they had detected um, on accident because they were so good at concealing their location within Russian waters. Wasn't it? It was seven months ago, wasn't it? When Russia said we detected a German sub, uh, in our waters and we couldn't, we detected it only because we had eyes on it because we couldn't find it on sonar. And it was all by accident because of some anchor thing. It was like a big deal. And I saw it and I was like, well, that's curious, but that's weird too. Like, maybe because it didn't come from it came from like a village source you know it didn't come from like rt or you know it came from like a a small uh village uh off the coast that reported it you know for their local navy people talking about it so it didn't come off i'll have to find it, it you know it was it was interesting it was right before christmas actually it was right before at the beginning 
of December. It was when Russia was um, heading over to Venezuela, like I told you guys, uh, to get their investment. Uh, you know, I told you this before, everyone who to get their gold, remember? So it was at the beginning of December where I saw this, right before Christmas, that some outlet in Russia, northern Russia, um, northwest Russia, a little town there, and I'll find it said that they had eyes on a German sub that was not detectable through sonar. And I'm thinking torpedoes, random magnetic mines. And the whole goal is if they shut the straight down to sweep, this can make, you know, the cost of an oil barrel $100 a barrel. It will floor worldwide economy. I mean, it's a big deal. And not only that, you know, there's other things we trade that go through there. Imagine if you shut down the Panama Canal. It's the same thing. So uh, coupled with the fact that, you know, uh, Russia had stated that they found a German sub because they had eyes on it because it was some silly thing. It was something like some guy, some Russian fisherman and some old anchor that was like 300 years old and they were looking for it and they were sending like, you know, remote scouts. I remember that it was like a touching story, but then it turned, you know, nefarious when they were like, dude, we saw a German sh- sub and... It wasn't even detected on our sonars. Um, So I'm just going to put that earwig to you so you can have it in the back of your mind, uh, you know, when you're being told about foreign policy uh, in the Middle East. Uh, we will be having a lot of developments. We see that uh, the the EU, the United Kingdom, Germany, France, all of them have been taking a different position. I like the fact that we had Poland here again, so that was very interesting and that we confirmed that we will be sending our own troops there uh, to show a cooperation, which totally ties into what I've been saying, that we have been arming the nations of the Balkan blocs. So, you know, Greece, Romania, um, and now heading up into Poland are getting, you know, soldiers, uh, weapons that were delivered to Greece and Romania, all what flanking, uh, the, uh, Western coast of Turkey and access to West, you know, Northwest Turkey. So it's really important that we pay attention to these minor details. It's really important that we keep our eye out on this um, expedited uh, European Union um, acceptance of um, Turkey into the EU because, uh, you know, NATO has many nations. The strongest military force in NATO right now is the United States. And the second military force in the United States is Turkey. And right now, we have tensions with Turkey, not only on the rhetoric of Erdogan, but his reluctance to um, comply with our demands for his um, attainment of the F-35 fighters that he has, you know, that they've cooperated in creating with us. And the Pentagon has already taken down, like grounded uh, the Turkish pilots that were training. And that's more to come. And I, I told you over a month ago that um, Turkey had made mention and spoke with um John Bolton to organize a meeting or a visit by President Trump in the first week of July 
in Turkey. I don't know if that's going to fly now that tensions have arisen, especially with the expedited uh, entry into the EU and thus obliging them to offer into the EU army. So lots of developments on that. And just before I go, so tomorrow's going to be really busy. And today we see a lot of uh, retaliatory actions, um, you know, from uh, our Congress, our Senate, uh, from former officials uh, within the United States. We see a lot of retort, uh, retaliatory responses and crazy subpoenas going out. You can see the panic. Um. But there's a lot of things that are going to be coming to fruition. So I want us to just visit quickly before I end this show today on the helicopter crash. So what we know is that this guy was a seasoned pilot. Uh, he had just dropped off a client and he was heading back to Jersey uh, to the chopper base, maybe pick up a client, who knows, whatever. And um, he, instead of going to where he was going, he actually went out of his way. And watching video footage of the helicopter, it seemed to be flying um, in a very erratic way. And I go back to a statement that President Trump said that said, we should be able to rely on our pilots, not have computers do it because our pilots should have control of planes, not software. So the question here would lie is what kind of chopper was this? Did it have remote access software? They are saying that there was no uh, recording information or black box or anything like that on it. So one would have to say that there was some form of manipulation in regards to this chopper because it entered into very restricted airspace. Like I told you the other day, uh, there's a one mile radius from the Trump Tower. You are not allowed to fly through there. Uh, it looked as if he tried to attempt to make a crash landing on uh, the AXA building, you know, where we have Wilkie Farr, we have Sydney, um, another law firm from Chicago. They're all DNC linked. But, you know, bottom line is just so you know, when you're in midtown Manhattan, you're going to get a bunch of buildings with a bunch of corrupt clowns with a bunch of connections to the deep state because that's where the money lands, right? What I'm trying to point out is it seemed to me from his erratic flight pattern that he was trying to mitigate control. And maybe so this, uh, you know, because it seems really weird how he couldn't talk on the radio. I mean, when you're struggling all that time to maintain your chopper, at some point you get on the horn and let someone know you're having problems. And that didn't happen, which leads one to believe that, you know, communications were stymied and he really, really tried. Now, my sources say that he was the same helicopter pilot that took DNC operatives, Democrats, House Democrats, specifically Schiff, to specific meeting locations in New York. I'm going to repeat this. He was the helicopter pilot, and it's being suggested that he had just received a subpoena to a grand jury. Maybe they determined it. I don't know. But um, this is something that I'm still looking into, and I just wanted to drop that, that he was actually a chopper pilot to take certain individuals to meetings, and the majority of them, House Democrats, specifically those that have great ties with the Standard Hotel. On that note, uh, I want you guys to just stay astute, be careful what you uh, digest, and, you know, hopefully um, 
you know, you will be able to see why things happen at the rate they happen. It's all good never comes in on in a Ferrari. Justice is never delivered in a Ferrari. It's always on a donkey. On that note, from all of us at Red State Talk Radio, I'd like to wish you a great evening. God bless. And I will see you here tomorrow. Same time, same place. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter at Tori underscore says. 12 to 2 Eastern time, Monday through Friday. I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful evening. God bless.